0: Welcome back, everybody, to the TV Talk Machine podcast. I am your co-host, as always, Jason Snell. And across the internet for me, your genial host, chief TV critic at The Hollywood Reporter. He's hot. He's sweaty. (laughs) He's ready to podcast. It's Tim Goodman. Hello. Hello,
1: Jason. But all of that, but apparently genial.
0: Genial. Yes, your genial host. Your cordial, genial host. Yeah, I decided to say that.
1: Yeah, I like it. You seem pretty genial. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I am genial. Why not? Why not? I like it.
0: What's, uh, Hey, what's going on? Anything, uh, going on in TV land? You got, you, you had three different, like non-review articles post in the last week. I thought that was interesting. I
1: think, yeah. And I think there's going to be more like that. Um, uh, April was not slam packed at the beginning of April. There was stuff and then it kind of withered and, and boy, uh, may is really, really thin. Um, so not a whole lot there. So probably maybe more conceptual places and probably a vacation. Ooh. thrown in. Yeah. Wow. Wouldn't be a bad idea. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be unheard of. Yeah. It's not it's, bad. We'll it's it. it's you know, happened before. Yeah. I mean I've I've had a good time writing some of these. You know, the the thing about uh Wabi Sabi was really fun to write. Yes. And I've had a couple that uh try to put some thought in, other ones I just want to make them really easy uh and bang them out, and sometimes those are the ones that are most appreciated.
0: So we should start with something that we already talked about, but we should mention that it's up now, which is your, why I don't watch Roseanne Trump-related TV confessions. Mm-hmm, uh, we talked about it last week of like, yeah, yep, there might be shows that really dive into this uh, divide political uh, situation that we've got here and you don't want to see them. So it's no. out there. If you want to read it, we'll put a yeah. link in the show notes. You can You yeah. can find it.
1: Lot of lot of feedback on that, not surprisingly. Uh, well, so you didn't just... you, you
0: didn't hold back. I I have mm-hmm. I have been known in the past to moderate your comments here on the podcast <laughs> and say, oh, I'm sure what you really mean is this, and you'd be like, nope, yeah. I go all the way, all the way, baby. Because in that piece, you basically are like, I want to be in my bubble. You can be in your stupid bubble. and get and that's just how i'm okay with that i i am you have very little patience for uh for let's really understand the feelings of the people who voted for donald trump you're like no i i'm no i don't i'm not interested
1: i would would rather cut my own dick off than do that
0: (laughs) oh the box oh the box it's so checked now good lord right in there man okay well okay All right, moving on from that then, (laughs) let's talk about... Uh, that piece that you mentioned you were, you were doing with, with your, your colleague Dan Feinberg, which is oh, yes. the, uh, the classic back and forth. Let's generate some content through an email thread, essentially.
1: <laughs> um, it's a content generator site, basically. I love it. I is. love it.
0: This is, this is the kind of thing, you know, this is, this is as somebody who is a, a content creator, uh, you know,
1: a, I
0: I love these kind of things. Like Five Thirty Eight does this, where they have a a chat that their writers do in their Slack, and they just export that, and it's an article. And it's like, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> like they just had a little a little chat, and you get an article out of it. Brilliant, genius.
1: So- <laughs> yeah, uh, it's 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 handy. uh and, and in this instance, it was it was fun. Because we were, we were very much on different sides, especially on ha- Handmaid's Tale and Westworld.
0: Yeah. And so the piece is the art of the sophomore season and using those things. We talked about this briefly last time. You know, Dan is more positive about Handmaid's Tale. You're more positive about Westworld. And you kind of go back and forth and you got a lot of nuances. I mean, if people are looking for that um, that extreme Tim from the uh, from the Roseanne story, they're not going <laughs> to find it. Because I think you guys, you know, for disagreeing, you guys have a lot of kind of like, I understand why you're saying that it didn't. Didn't do that for me, kind of a back and forth. Whereas, two TV critics, you're like, yeah, I, I get that, but I you know I didn't feel as strongly about that as you. And there was a lot of that going on. Um, I do somebody somebody did call me on it though when that story posted that said, Jason, you really poisoned Tim on The Handmaid's Tale, and I'm like, I was just sharing my feelings in Canada, and uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Although I was interested to, to get Dan's perspective on that too, because there's sort of like the why are you doing this to yourself thing, and and he he felt like you know. Know, that that it, the second season kind of widens the scope which makes you kind of wonder like oh what's going on in in the rest of the world and how is that different the answer is it's just it's it's what's going on in the rest of the world is terrible things because it's just it's bleak yeah. it's a terrible world yeah <laughs> but yeah
1: yeah we had some we had we had disagreements but they were they were civil and yeah it's like it's so much different than the roseanne piece but that's just a different that's just a different way of going about it and um you know, I'd wanted to do that one for a long time and break out the sledgehammer because it's. I mean, I just that's exactly how I feel, obviously, and I, I don't really care. And people can have their own uh, uh, takes on on the, the whole uh, Republican versus Democrat versus shows. And, I, and it's like, and I think a little bit of not liking the uh, Handmaid's Tale has a little bit to do with that because what I do say is like I don't think that anyone is going to on the on the right is going to look at the Handmaid's Tale which is very clearly a sort of like Trump dystopian thing if you let all these idiot men uh, like Pence and everybody else run the show. I don't think they're gonna look at that and say that's my show. I, I, I get that. I want I see the message you're saying and I and yes, I am frightened about that future too. I just don't think that 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 doesn't happen. Um, so I don't think it's good for, uh, shows on, on the quote unquote left to like do these cautionary tales because we're just speaking to our you know we're just preaching to the choir speaking to ourselves um so I, I just don't think it's good TV I would rather see something else uh handmaid still has other issues that i that i uh take into task a little bit in this thing with Dan but yeah i mean i, I at this point i just i think i just would rather politics to to stay out of it right. and then we can debate these things like dan and i did where it's like where are the where are the problems in the structure or the pacing or or the writing
0: well one of the things you pointed out that i thought was interesting you, you know was this idea of when you're looking for a sophomore slump for something that surprised you in the first season and how do you avoid that and you had a little bit about stranger things and the thought like it was ripe for a second season implosion, you said, but they managed to find a way not you know, to grow it and not kind of like go completely off the rails, which was, and that's, that's hard. Easier said than done, right? That's a hard trick. Oh yeah. That
1: is, that is, I, I think that what stranger things did was, uh, monumentally difficult because I think people were waiting for it to, to, to implode. And, and I think by right, looking at that first season, the prediction of saying it was going to fall apart was not a hard one to make and they proved everybody wrong um and i think that they did a great job in that second season and uh, and just not Falling down the hole was probably the greatest achievement that they did. But I really liked that season, and I think now the only problem that lies ahead for them is just the aging of the stars. <clears throat> they're going right. to age up quickly, and it's going to be less uh, kind of eighties uh, uh, nostalgia Spiel- Spielbergian. It's going to be a little bit less than that.
0: Yeah, a little less adorable. Yes, when they're all their voices all break and they're <laughs> they're pimply older teens or or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, they, so another thing that you mentioned is um, the first seasons that don't need second seasons. Like Dan said, he was relieved that everything sucks didn't get brought back because he thought it had something resembling a conclusion. And I know you said the same thing about the end of the XXXing world. Yes. Uh, where, you know, you had an end of a sort and the, the feeling like you don't, it's a perfect little bit And you don't need to go back there. So that's the flip side of this is, you know, maybe you just are one and out and maybe that's okay.
1: Yeah. And yeah, and I think that that's perfectly fine. And I think the British are more uh, into that realm. Um, I think the only difference that Dan and I had in there was that I thought everything sucked well and truly sucked because it was so derivative. Especially when it came out right at about the same time as the end of the FXXing world, uh, even though we have the box checked, we could say it. Yeah, but uh, it's not.
0: It doesn't say it. It, it, it has yeah, those X's. That's true.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I just didn't think that show worked. Um, and, and I'll be working on something in the future uh, just about like how, you know what what's the call that these that these streaming channels and cable channels have to make on a uh, on a series that maybe didn't have this like didn't have a huge impact like you know, a stranger things or whatever. I, I think that that's, uh, uh, that's my next column where I'm going to go next week.
0: Yeah. There, there is this question of, um, TV sort of thinks that if you have a hit, if you have a success of any sort, um, it, it, it's, it's, I want more of it, right? You You want to bring it back. You want to do more of it. And so you get something like big little lies that was meant as a adaptation that was meant to have an ending and they're like well no it's a hit let's do some more of it and and end of the world fits into that um i just finished watching collateral the uh, which you you recommended a while ago uh that's the Car- yeah uh, yeah that's mm-hmm. uh that's a Kerry mulligan and john sim and a whole bunch of other people are in it yeah um and It's great. Four episodes Mm -hmm. for people who haven't watched it. British cop show. Uh, It's got a political angle. Mm -hmm. Um, It's about immigration um, and how everything is tied together. And in my mind, the show's title is about uh, this single event that leads to the discovery of just enormous amounts of collateral damage. All of the damage that causes it and results from it and i I thought it was brilliant i thought it was really well done and i thought carrie mulligan who you know has been nominated for oscars of course she's amazing Uh, but i'll tell you this that's a thing that was made by a writer who was like between like doing a play and doing a movie and Mm -hmm. they and they set it up and the director apparently is going to direct the next star trek movie which i think is interesting Um, but somebody asked them would they do like another show with Carrie Mulligan as that character? And they gave a big shrug, like nobody's asked us. And so I guess, (laughs) no, I guess we don't have to say no, no, no. This is the only story because nobody's asked. But that was one of those things that I got to the end. And I had that same feeling, which is like, this is perfect. I really liked it. And at the same time, it's like, "Eh, if they did another one, I would, I would love to see Carrie Mulligan do that character again, but, yeah. um, but that, that, you know, TV, I feel like anytime anything gets noticed and there's any, any success, the immediate thing you do is say, well, let's just keep doing it. Even if the story has run out, the, the, the old Simpsons line from uh, that Phil Hartman would say is that the Simpsons will continue until it finally becomes unprofitable. That like, that's, you know, in the end, right. it's, that's the, the profit line is, is all that, all that matters, even if you've completely run out of creativity and, and, you know, sometimes it is better. like, uh Freaks and Geeks was like that where I'm sad that it got canceled but at the same time it's a perfect little thing. And yeah, would the second season absolutely. have made it would it have been more memorable if it had a second season and slipped in quality? I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's you know, it's like one of those things too where I get the business side of it like I don't begrudge I mean I didn't obviously didn't like uh, Big Little Lies, but I do not begrudge HBO for doing a second season <laughs> it's a because hit. <laughs> it was a huge hit and um You know they don't have a lot of the. I mean they have some of them, but they just don't. They're not churning them out one after the other like they did in the old days because TV is hard, and um, sometimes you get on a big lucky streak. But um, uh, so I don't begrudge them that, and uh, you know you can't get upset about it because if the audience really wants it, go for it. That's if they're demanding it. I'm a little more torn about like you know a second season of a show that like it was just kind of like average. Um, because like for uh, right. Thirteenth reasons, why, 13 reasons why that should, they should never have had a second season. That was a one episode, a one, uh, season show. Um, but they, it was popular for Netflix and they're going to bring it back and do it. I, I, you know, I think I've heard that they're not going to be a second season now of, uh, the end of the F X, X, X world, hmm. uh, ing world. But, uh, and I think that would be good. Um, cause you know what? I think the way the Brits look at it is, hey, we all got together, we had a moment, basically, and we created this thing, and it, and it went out in the world, and people liked it. Um, they're not immune to doing another one, but a lot of times they'll just say, okay, that's it, and then all those people say, hey, let's work on something else, I have this other project. I think they're much more willing to say, here's five things I'm interested in writing, and we just made this one. Instead of making another version of this one, how about these other four? Anybody interested? I love that collaborative nature of the Brits. Hmm in that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we've said on this show before, uh, second seasons are hard in a lot of different ways. I like that you guys kind of talked, kicked around the creative ways that it's, that it's hard to do, um, in addition to getting people to notice. So they actually watch a second season. Yes. Uh, You know, this is, but this is, this is all one of the funny things that I think we've covered many times on this show is the, Um, blurring of so many lines. The technology has blurred all these lines, like, what's a movie? What's a miniseries? Mm -hmm. What's a TV show? It's all just kind of, like, flopping around together. It's like a button on Netflix I push, and a show happens, or a thing happens, a video Mm -hmm. plays. Is that a a miniseries? Is Collateral a four-hour movie? Apparently it was originally a movie script, and when it was in development, they said, no, 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 you gotta write, you know, you gotta break it up into four episodes and structure it that way. But, like, okay, so so it started as a movie idea. They decided to make it a miniseries, but it's not a show. It's not a TV series. It's just like, and if and if you do something and only intend to do one and then you come back, well, then you just went from being a miniseries to being or a limited run series to
1: being a multi-season series. Yeah. It's all mixed up. It is all mixed up. And 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 people don't know, well, let's put it this way, people don't know until the dollars come into play. <laughs> that's right. You know? That'll like answer everything. No, that's not how it was built. And then it's a huge hit and they're like, Actually,
0: <laughs> well, I, like Collateral. If the if the Netflix numbers for Collateral look good and the, the ratings did well, I think in the UK, and then they get nominated for some, you know, uh, Carrie Mulligan gets nominated for uh, for an Emmy, or they win some, they win some Emmys or some Golden Globes and all that. You know, at that at some point, somebody's going to make a call to the people who made that and say do another one of those you know Yeah, and yeah like if the if if they if it's worth their while they'll they'll at least ask which apparently they haven't done yet which made me laugh like I think that's very surprising is there a second season well they haven't asked for one so probably not okay. I love that there you could go.
1: be so sort of like the brits are on or something else
0: um okay let's talk about what an indelible performance detail <laughs> is tim what is that
1: well i didn't write the headline i <laughs> came back and said well that's really interesting gentlemen and ladies that's a really interesting way to write a headline about s- s minor acting performances which is what i you know not i mean you can't say they're minor acting performances because that wouldn't be right that'd be, but a, that'd be a bad headline too like the least interesting
0: too. things to, to click on the least interesting things on television well that's not what we mean either but it's yeah. the it's the it's memorable details is is the way that that you put it I think that that's a way to do it little character and performance quirks that delight yes. and and mm-hmm. and amuse you uh, throughout and perhaps even beyond uh, watching a season of television little yeah, the little the little pleasures of performance
1: yeah I think your tra- traits and quirks is was my way of yeah of, of sort of narrowing it down because it it's really weird I haven't finished um, the the terror. But you know my the part of the story. The two things that drove this story were the two two of the eight um, were what stuck in my were all of them have been stuck in my brain to some extent. But the two of the eight that were really there um, were, were the actors in in the uh, the terror and how much facial work they did. They do as much mm-hmm. facial work in the terror as uh, as Elizabeth Moth does in Handmaid's Tale, which is telling you something. And then. Um, uh, and then just uh, of a multifaceted show like Atlanta which is a slice of life and there's a real note there's real no there's not really a center so much as it's just a couple of people trying to make it in the rap world and what's their day-to-day like life like in in Atlanta and by showing that it's a, it's a commentary on race and culture and class and all this all this stuff but it's a slice of life series but what stuck out for me in that was, I love Donald Glover's character, Earn, and uh, Ernest. But Earn is like, he has a lot of things going for him. But I particularly like when somebody tells him something, as I wrote, that's clearly not a thing, right? And I, I can see you and I doing this as well. And I can see, I do this sometimes when I'm like, when I'm people tell me things. You know, it's mm-hmm. like someone will say something to Donald Glover's character and he gets that kind of look like, really <laughs> it's the, the look that, of, yeah. of incredulity. Right. Which yeah, is like, right. That's, he's I like, don't think that's, I don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times he will just say that. I go, yeah. And then they'll keep talking. And yeah. then he'll say, he's like, yeah. And he's shaking his head. No, but he's like, yeah. And then finally, when they say something, he's like, he'll say like, you know, that's, yeah, that's completely backwards. That it's not actually no one, no one does that. And, and then the, usually, like I said, the they, they double down and they start yelling at him or they forcefully talk about and then he just gives up. And he's that sort of Charlie Brown-ish exasperation with the world and people. I love that about his character because he just lets it go. But it happens in sometimes several times in the same episode. He's, life happens to earn and he he's just he, you know even in, even it's not sometimes it's funny sometimes it's just dark like that like the what second episode of the first season when they're beating on this this cops are beating on this guy after everybody's laughing and at one point he's like this what do you mean he's here every week this that's a why that's a problem you know like and and everybody's laughing and it was a really a, a tonally jarring scene but like he's he's like messed up he's like this is not right I ever mean, you guys are thinking this is right and i'm telling you it's not so the, the those what sort of what uh drove me to it and i'm gonna mispronounce his names i think it's siren uh Sirin or Siren hines from the terror the irish mm. actor um his face is unbelievable in the terror because he has to tell everybody to soldier on in the early going and very quickly he realizes he's made a a terrible mistake <laughs> <laughs>
0: you mentioned um, you mentioned j k. Simmons, which mm-hmm. is uh we've talked about before an incredible performance in counterpart where you can tell re- even even when the wardrobe changes and and is yeah. no longer a cue you can you can just by looking at him for a minute for for a few seconds you know which character he's playing. It is amazing.
1: Yeah, it's just everything's different. Like I noted, the breathing, the gait, um, it's just lots of lots of things. Yeah, uh, uh, so good.
0: Yeah, uh, and, kill- and I
1: just had a list of yeah,
0: yeah. Killing Eve, Jodie Comer. Um, you know, I liked how you mentioned the glint in her eye when she's about <laughs> to uh, kill somebody.
1: Yeah, it's so it's totally off, but it's just you're like what what because she's playing on she's playing on a different bunch of levels. She's playing the fact that. She is kind of adorable and and also lovely and a funny character when she's not killing people. But she's got that look on her face where you're like, and then it's like she enjoys like, oh, her job. Wow, that is sociopathic, <laughs> <laughs> and I should not be having this, this feeling. Yeah,
0: and um, I uh, I like that you mentioned uh, Evan Rachel Wood in Westworld. Because Mm -hmm. that is a a case where the way the show is built, and this is, uh, again, I feel like some of these um, genre shows that get really great actors and actresses to be in them, one of the things that they explain is you can do things with your performance that are just bananas that you couldn't do in something that's totally straight-laced, like two J.K. Simmons characters playing off of each other. Or in the case of Evan Rachel Wood, she gets to play, in in season one of Westworld, she gets to play different kind of programs being run Mm -hmm. by her character, who is Mm -hmm. an artificial person. And so her accent changes and her performance changes. But in season two, you get to see her kind of, like, integrating parts of, like... What Westworld Season 2, and I'm not going to get into spoilers, but what Westworld Season 2 posits is that the hosts in Westworld are not like they're a person where once the programming is gone, the real person is revealed. What Westworld Season 2 posits is that the hosts are the sum of their experiences. They've re- they- When they remember everything, they are all of the people they've been kind of put together, is the suggestion anyway, early mm-hmm. on in season two. Right. And so with Evan Rachel Wood, what you see is she is the worried daughter of the rancher And she is the romantic explorer with um with her boyfriend, Mm -hmm. and she is the revolutionary, uh, like killer (laughs) Wyatt. She is all of those things. She's got like, and she's trying to integrate them and figure out who that makes her as a single person. And it is like that is what what a challenge it is as as a performer, right? To be able to try and like get all that across. And she's very good at it, so she does it. Yeah.
1: She's really good at yeah. it. And and it's just, you know, there's there's and it's just again, it's just they're just little things. Uh, like I mentioned that Jason Jason Bateman and Ozark, Ozark had, right. yeah yeah, I just, I, and that's you know it's a, it's a trait that he likes to use in a lot of his movies too which is which I think is a good one um, he just he's listening to you and he's thinking and you're thinking huh he thinks that I'm onto something or and even, then when, you, when you're finished he says no that is that is the dumbest thing the dumbest thing I've ever heard so it's great
0: and sometimes casting you know you, you cast the right person in the right spot and it lets you leave that impression you pointed out Haley Atwell in Howard's End and that's not source material that has a particularly you know deep uh, feminist angle to it but you cast Haley Atwell who brings you know what she brings to a role and also I think a lot of audience members will remember her as a strong character in some other stuff and and so you get you know Haley Atwell brings you uh you 're almost reading that second level in because of her and her performance and her presence, even though the original text doesn 't have anything like that, which is kind of cool yeah,
1: it's it 's yeah it 's quite it's, and it was just fun and I did get a lot of feedback from casting directors um, on on twitter so
0: interesting nice. mm-hmm. always interesting when they 're paying attention. Um, should we, should we, oh, before we move on to letters, I'm going to Columbo myself. Look, I just did it. Uh, (laughs) you've got, you've got a piece coming up, which we'll at least mention, which is speaking of second seasons, uh, and, and getting them and not getting them. HBO canceled here and now the Alan Ball show. And I guess you're working on something about, uh, shows that, that maybe got second seasons by surprise or didn't.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm laughing because my dog's in the background. Yeah, I, I can hear stuffed it. animal. <laughs> He's very excited about his t- attacking stuffed animals. He's attacking the second season of shows that don't deserve them. Yeah, that's right. Um, Take that. Well, you know, it's, yeah, it's it's. Like, I, I got to thinking about it, and this is clearly not something that I've finished thinking. With. I'm writing it, and I'm working on it as I do it. Um, but you know, it's we used to be able to. You know, I've already written what one of my favorite columns I've written in maybe the last year or so is I wrote a story about how Chance on Hulu. Um, didn't work uh, because no one ended up seeing it. It just got lost in the pile. Um, but somewhere along the line, um, you know, Hulu was—they had to be invested in uh, uh, in the show, and so, and, and particularly invested in Hugh Laurie, and they gave it two seasons. Um, and I, I think that was—and that was a, a habit for um, Showtime. I'm not Showtime, but uh, Netflix for a while. It was a—it was a—it was a habit on uh, on Amazon. And those are all changing. And I'm kind of, I guess I'm trying to hone into so like, how do you know if something, you know, cause I know out of the box that the shy on Showtime did not live up to, you know, it, it's, it's not in the zeitgeist. Um, will that show be picked up for a second season? I don't know. Same thing with divorce <clears throat> on Showtime. Maybe there were some numbers there, that they liked, or maybe it's a system uh, where the stars are too big. Not Sarah Jessica Parker got her back to you. Got her back to TV. You can't like one season her. So all these rules are are, are changing, <clears throat> and I'm you know you start looking at some of these uh, uh, where Amazon let one Mississippi go two seasons. That's great. Red Oaks did three seasons. Like that it was perfect. Casual mm-hmm. did three seasons. The Path did three seasons. Shut Eye did two seasons. So some of these are they put them out there because they wanted them people to come to the service and they all got at least two seasons i think the more successful ones being casual and uh, and the path got a third season but what happens when you look at when you're fx for example and you and almost everything you do touch, turns to gold but you people forget do you remember snowfall no snowfall was they thought snowfall was going to be huge Because it was basically the birth of the crack cocaine epidemic in Los Angeles. And they really thought it was going to be big. And that thing had so many problems, but it just imploded. And, you know, like second season coming up. And uh, I think I pointed out, and you and I talked about it in my review of Trust, which was the the series about J. Paul Getty and his family. They sort of posit in the press release that this is going to be Told over a number of seasons and, and, and generationally, uh, whereas I thought, I've seen the first three episodes. I don't think you're going to make it to a second hmm. season. Well, um, and and uh, trust me, I've heard nobody talk about trust. Like, they, have you?
0: Trust me, huh? Trust see, me. I see, see? what you... So you did there. So I guess if you're a TV producer, though, you're thinking positively, right? You come into your your pilot episode, and you you've you've got a five year plan. You're ready to go. You want to you want to get that that uh, five years of TV money as a as a creator. You wanna you want to do that. So you talk a good game, but uh, they don't all make it.
1: They don't all make it. And it and it used to be. I think we're changing a little bit. It used to be um, as we were entering the peak tv era people were like okay the rules have changed things take a lot longer for people to find them the ratings are going to be suppressed maybe it's a lost leader because it's a it's going to be like a big ratings buzz and that was what the early i think that's why i I think the poster series for this is uh on amc do you remember turn washington spies yeah (laughs) What was with that? That thing just never, but it ended up getting like three seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that that would happen now. And I think you're starting to see definitely Netflix is leading the way where they're turning away from things. Like they had a, you know, disjointed. It didn't work out. They canceled it. Gypsy didn't work out. They canceled it. Everything sucks. Didn't work out. They canceled it. Those are, you know, it used to be they get, those shows would get two seasons. Now something's definitely changing. Uh, and I'm just, I'm curious about it. I mean, uh, do you remember gunpowder on hbo right about christmas time uh, uh vaguely yeah it was john snow was in the lead right 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 uh-huh yeah you don't remember it because it came out and it didn't and it made no impact uh it, it's a co-production of the bbc but maybe or or a british uh entity so maybe it won't matter on the on the books but like I, I that's what I'm sort of getting at like how do you judge these things and how do you what are the the new rules for um, whether a show gets a second season or not? because you're I think a lot of show, a lot of channels and streaming services are guessing you know based on their uh, their analytics. Someone, something's either going to not work and they cancel it in the first season, or that's kind of on the fence, and then it gets that second season, and I think then they know definitively whether it's either going to make it or it's not going to make it. So, obviously, the big one that happened this week was HBO um, not bringing back Here and Now, which has Alan Ball, which is a, one of their, you know, he was one of their core producers, um, and you have just, you know, Tim Robbins, and you've got this huge cast, and uh, it just didn't work. It was a mess. Oh, <sighs> Do You I'm want to do some? To my dog. <laughs> yeah, dog noises in the background. I'm my dog is tearing up a bunch of second seasons just Yeah, for, that's right. Yeah. You,
0: you, you've you been doing a lot of thinking about second seasons. I guess you could say this is your sophomore year.
1: <laughs> oh, nice. Oh. Oh, yeah. oh, boy. oh, boy. All
0: right. Letters?
1: Oh. Dog? Dog toys he, yes, and letters? Dog, dog. He's tearing up the rest of the, the schedule. So, yes, let's do letters. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. <laughs> Thank you. Rebecca
1: uh, wrote in. By the way, I think he just got I'm Dying Up Here from Showtime. He's, he's tearing that one oh, up. Oh, yeah, good. It. It, Yeah, okay. Just keep just on going. It. He's tearing okay. through
0: all those shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rebecca wrote in, said, I don't think I've ever heard Tim weigh in on American Crime Story Versace. Best show I've seen in 2018, but many critics didn't like it. I don't get why many think it was inferior to the OJ one. I loved the reverse chronological format in particular um now dan reviewed it and said it was solid although he didn't like it as much as the oj season but he did say it was solid so he did he didn't dislike it uh, but he but that, did
1: dislike the chronological idea oh, but
0: he did dislike the way that it was told no well, fair yeah, enough
1: which is kind of funny
0: but you didn't see it and you're freed not to see it because dan saw it
1: yeah i think that one of the things that happens is if i hear um from people uh if i hear like a consensus certainly and there's a drum beat and then. If I, if it's something I didn't miss or didn't review, I tend to look at it like, uh, uh, that just bought me a bunch of free time. So that's, that's awesome. And I won't watch it, but if, but if there's a drum beat for the shows, you know, uh, then I'll circle back. There wasn't one for, for Versace. So I did, I didn't do it.
0: All right. Uh, here is one from listener Kendra formerly in the four, one, five, but now in the three, two, three. Oh, okay. I don't know what the three two three is.
1: I, uh, you, it's California. Think, is it's, that's Los Angeles. Isn't it's it? uh, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, it's Los Angeles, north north I of LA. Is
1: Kendra the dog photographer? I used to know a Kendra who was a dog photographer. I don't know. Could be. She could come take. She could come take uh, Pepper. Take Prob- pictures of Pepper tearing things up.
0: Probably not Kendra the vampire slayer, although it could be. No. Um, nice. Long time, first time. Thank you, Kendra. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's an Aussie TV combo for you. It's a show called Rose Haven. I watched it on a whim after the A word, a gentle comedy, similar in tone to Detectorists. I wish others would watch the show. We loved it and think it deserves more attention.
1: Okay. Rose Haven. I will look at Rose Haven. I think that that's, yeah. Check it out. Okay. I will look into that. Um, That is funny because I was thinking about... Uh, speaking of, like, uh, workshopping things, I'll just throw this out really quickly, Mm -hmm. not as a Columbo, but just as a way to say... No, this is an
0: inter-letter commentary. This is not a Columboing. This is just... uh, It's more of a
1: tangent. Anyway. It's a tangent. I was thinking, like, wouldn't it be interesting to have, um, like, a a once-a-month column, basically, a Critics Notebook that says, like, find some hidden gems, like Mm. Rosehaven, That people have really have not heard about and then watch a bunch of episodes and say, hey, Kendra and I think that this is a a strong show for you to watch. Because I don't think a show like Rose David, particularly the international series won't get found. Um, But I think it, you know, and Detectorist could be the poster series for that. um, You know, that series back, which I love from Sundance now would be also a great one to discover, or, or even the A word. Those are kind of my the ones that come to mind as my favorites. But, like, yeah, deep dive. I've never heard of Rosehaven. I'd be happy to, to look at it.
0: Yeah, I love I love that idea. There's so much stuff that is either on a smaller channel, so it's easy to overlook it, or it is uh, international and being brought to the U.S., but pretty low low profile. And uh, people love finding, you know, good mm-hmm. stuff that, that may, may have uh, gone under the radar. It's good. Yep. All right. Our friend MVP, My Vogue on Poetry, is back with us to say, I have listened to so much coverage of the NFL draft about quarterbacks (laughs) with the highest ceiling and the lowest floor. What TV shows fit this criteria? For me, (laughs) it's Game of Thrones. It's epic. But in the wrong hands, the same material could have been tragic. It's an interesting idea, like uh, like uh, uh, what what uh, shows could have been. I mean, there's so many different ways to read this NFL draft metaphor here in terms of like underachievers, underperformers. God, you could get so many columns out of this concept, <laughs> Tim. Like underperformers, things that you know just are, should be better but they aren't, or overachievers where, with something that you're like, yeah, I don't see how this is a show, and yet somehow it works. And then yeah. I, I went with a ceiling and the floor here, he's really saying like he feels like Game of Thrones is kind of at the max of of what it's got and that below it is a whole like a chasm of badness that it could be but isn't
1: well i would say as somebody who i think i'm following this 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 conceptual idea because oh, i have read so many nfl some mel Kuiper jr tr- kind oh, of stuff okay. going had, on literally here. every draft pro- pros-
0: <laughs> oh that, that's, that's a reach pick that's a uh, reach yeah. pick he should yeah. have been uh second round but is,
1: the way they use it is is uh you know, a uh, uh, their high floor, which I find that a really weird way to say it, is that they're all. That means the people that the athlete is already really good, and so they don't have a, a high ceiling because they're almost maxed out on their ability. They they don't have a lot of, you know, they don't have freakish uh, build or height or arm length or something that's going to put them to the. They're not untaps, uh, for example, and then a high ceiling person. Um, That's right. It has the untapped potential. They're rough now, but they could end up being now, amazing. So the floor is a little lower. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I've, I've used, I definitely think that the MVP is right, that that has been overused to death <laughs> because I don't think people are actually using it correctly. Um, so I, I, I think that there's, I, I would just say this, that when I look at shows, I give them a little bit more credit when I think their ambition. So let's just say their ceiling is really high Um, This show could really take off and be something amazing because it's conceptually very difficult, like, say, uh, a counterpart. But, of course, I've already seen that and it nailed everything. Right. It's it's perfect. Um, But sometimes, yeah, like um, I would say, uh, you know, the, um, the Netflix series. Altered. Carbon? Altered Carbon. Thank you. Look at Most that. My brain is fried. I was uh, waiting for a clue, carbon, but the Netflix think... series is all I got. But I managed to pull it <laughs> Which, out there. You know that's kind of a miracle because there's a billion series, but Altered Carbon has a very high ceiling. You know, and right. I that's that's a show I'm willing to give a lot of slack to because I think like okay, you're not perfect now. You're gonna work these things out conceptually as you go, but I love so much story that's that's out there, but it doesn't always. It doesn't always work it doesn't out. doesn't always come do together. You, yeah, do you have one? Uh, well,
0: it's it's so close to Game of Thrones that I always hate to throw it out there, but I, I think Westworld has a really low floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in fact, I think if you look at the history of the development of that show, they you know they shot a few episodes and realized it was not gonna work and then they Mm -hmm. stopped production and they retooled and they got the scripts in order and i think they did some reshooting and what you got i mean first off it's a it's a 70s movie we could argue whether it's a cheesy movie or not but it's kind of a cheesy movie Mm -hmm. it's not the it's not michael Crichton's greatest concept for a story it's it's you know it's killer robot uprising it's been done a million times before in different ways and they found a fresh take they you know when when it was maybe getting a little out of control some of the creative decisions early on with the nudity, especially the female nudity, and with the implied rape that was happening early on, mm-hmm. it, it was sort of like, well, this could really go badly." And I feel like it went the best way possible, like uh, in terms of being better than I thought. And they mm-hmm. really could have blown it, so I, I think that's an example where where I feel like they were acting at a very high level of something that could have been really spectacularly bad. Uh, because when they first announced it I was like really that that sounds t- like a terrible idea for a TV show and it's actually uh quite great so
1: yeah we'll and I, I think yeah and I think keeping that theory going you could say I, I agree with you on the Westworld thing because and then when Dan and I had our little back and forth which circles back to what we talked about earlier um my point was that like I think already in the first few episodes Westworld is um taking a running start from what it did last last year it's taking uh, it's it's going at a breakneck pace, which I really love. And as I said to him, by the time you get to Shogun World in the fifth uh episode, I think Westworld is now start is like starting to flaunt it a little bit, like, mm. yeah, okay, we got this. We're going into another world here. And, you know, there theoretically there's a bunch of other parks around there. So right. um I think the the it's it's I don't know if you can actually have a high ceiling and then have your floor raised at the same time mm. as you, as you, as you, as you capitalize on your potential, but that's kind of what's happening. Whereas I, Dan, and I disagree here, of course, but I, I don't think that, um, the, I don't think Handmaid's Tale has shown me anything that I didn't already see in the first 12 hours. I watched 10 and then two of the new season. Um, Dan talked about them going out. So the colonies, um, and yes, the colonies is a different landscape. It's not in Boston, uh, and it's bleak as hell, but it's not a particularly compelling. Um, in fact, I, I found the series kind of grinding to a halt when it got out there. Um, so I don't know. I, I would like to think that there's more to Gilead and discovering what's in that country to, you know, to, to, to be a show that has a high ceiling. But at this point, I don't see it.
0: Okay. Uh, Parker in the 818 wrote in to say crossovers the Arrowverse does these regularly regularly uh csis law and orders laws and orders uh when you talk about barry and killing eve i thought that that'd be a fun crossover i could see sad barry and sad spies meeting up maybe (laughs) do other are there any current shows that seem like they should cross over with something else
1: well that's uh, that is who, who wrote this letter this is parker in the 818 Okay, Parker, a fantastic idea which I may steal mm-hmm. um, because I think it's, it's a, a great, great idea. It's a great idea because what he's what you're doing, he or she, uh, is basically saying that the old laws of two NBC shows having to cross over uh, in a world they're both set in New York City um, is no longer in play, and you could take two shows from two different networks and have a theoretical crossover. Um, that would be a lot of fun.
0: This is Parker is a he. I looked it up. Okay. And right. uh, I like this too. There, there. I, I can't even think of what the crossovers would be. I, I kind of like there are... Because the, you get your ridiculous crossovers. And then you get your uh, non-ridiculous crossovers. So like... Um, you know i don't know i uh, brooklyn Nine did a crossover with what new girl or something that i thought was kind of funny because brooklyn Nine Nine is exactly not serious enough that it could cross <laughs> right. over with anything and i would just right. laugh at it because it would be bringing its own insanity into some other sitcom premise i think that would be very funny or or something serious that's what i want is i want um i want detective munch to appear on brooklyn Nine Nine and interact with andre Brower and have them you know you remind me of somebody or something like that. That's what I want. I want, I want right. the homicide, <laughs> law and order, however right. many other shows Detective Munch has been on uh-huh. uh, connected with that. The, the other thought I had is that, you know, surely one of the worlds in uh, Westworld is Game of Thrones world, right? Surely, that is the case yeah
1: that's gotta would be have to right? be
0: i i would think so give me give me a, give me a little wink give me a little some like they open the door and there's like dragons flying around and they're like nope and they close that door and they move on that that just <laughs> i would laugh at that That'd be
1: nice i love the inspiredness of the the berry and killing eve crossover. yeah that's, that's good that's, that's, really
0: that's good. good like uh the killing they're trying to kill the same person killing just bumping like on a rooftop where there are a couple of people go like, on, oh, i'm killing the guy on the left oh i'm killing the guy on the right oh yeah. All right. You, you, you want to try to, like, make a bet about uh, who, who who kills who first? Uh, could be good. Uh, this is Rui from the 351 in Portugal. Rui says, I- I'll make this quick. Billions. Season three, episode two. There's an earthquake warning off the coast of Mozambique that leads to big meeting of people concerned about the ensuing tsunami wiping out their investments in Brazil. This is not a thing. Can anyone look at a map? Is the tsunami going over three African countries and across the South Atlantic? Is it crossing the Indian Ocean, the whole Pacific Ocean, and a gazillion islands and countries before going over the Andes? Maybe the earthquake (laughs) is so strong it rattles the whole African continent, creating a tsunami on each side. Or maybe they meant Angola or Namibia instead of Mozambique. Anyway, it's not a thing at all. Salutations to everyone's mothers, Rui, in Portugal not a thing oh look at a map. I
1: love look at look you know I'm gonna do the hand clap Portugal way to bring it yep. and not only that beautiful country but also a way to bring the, the logic mm-hmm. yeah making a play Portugal making a play for logic Just look
0: at a map folks look at a map mm-hmm. that's all we uh, that's all we ask uh, Chris in the plus six one You know where that is. That's Australia. I thought you might be interested in some of the challenges of watching American TV in Australia, aside from dangerous wildlife, Chris says. Three quick examples. Counterparts, similar to the UK, unavailable to watch anywhere. Expanse season three. We have sci-fi locally, but they won't air it. Previous seasons arrived as Netflix originals long after they aired in the US. Timeless. Season one still hasn't been shown in Australia, although a local network is advertising it is coming soon. It's not all bad, though. Atlanta and The Handmaid's Tale are available for streaming free from a different free-to-air network. You never know wow. what will end up where and when. I appreciate the podcast and your worldwide simultaneous releases, Chris and the Plus Six one.
1: Yes, Chris, thank um, you.
0: The Expanse is an interesting example, and I don't know why this is the case. It may be the nature of their deal with sci-fi in the U S but I'm a little confused about why so many American shows when they show them overseas on Netflix they just drop them weekly but there's something about the expanse that I guess they in the U S drop has some exclusivity because rather than releasing them the same week as in the U S they don't release them until after the whole season is over in the U S and then a little time passes and then they drop it as a binge drop. And uh, it's, they must just have a really super weird contract that um, the producers of the show or the financiers of the show signed with sci-fi channel and to give them some sort of exclusivity because it doesn't, I don't understand why that show isn't dropping week by week because at netflix you know in the u.s they don't want to do that but overseas they do that all the time for shows that are from the u.s they drop them weekly and they haven't done it with the expanse and i know it really frustrates everybody um outside the u.s and it should because i don't know why they do it that way it's really annoying sorry australia all right at least we are we are uh, releasing simultaneously okay here's some tough love tim from micah and the 415 okay Last week, Tim claimed it was an illegitimate complaint to critique things based on their running time. I want to push back against that notion. A double album was defined by the limits of its delivery medium. If you wanted to play a double LP, you had a rough idea of your time commitment. TV scheduling, from a U- U.S. perspective, similarly baked 30-minute and hour-length intervals into our expectations. How much free time I have to spend influences my choice of watching a show or a movie. When I choose to watch something, I'm agreeing to give her for my time and attention for a roughly fixed period of time. When content doesn't fit fixed fit those bounds an extra long americans a three-hour transformers movie the social contract of formatting and length is broken the viewer may start applying a more critical view to this outlier to media norms norms it's not one episode it's not two episodes was it 1.25 units of episode watching tv with loved ones and managing shared interest is complicated enough to schedule with fixed time estimates why make it harder so this is the this is the argument that I think I mentioned last time, which is the argument is I I want to watch this show and I've got an hour and oh this show is ninety minutes this week.
1: Right. So you find something else, watch something yeah. else, and, and I don't think you. I I, I would say if you're that, if you're
0: DVRing it or streaming it, by the way, you know immediately. I, I get right. I get your pain if you just turn on the flip on the TV, warm up the old tube TV yeah. at 9 mm-hmm. p.m. to watch something, and it, after an hour it's still going, and you're like, well, what what just happened? But unless you're watching it live without any sort of service that every like cable box has now, you should be able to tell how long it's going to go.
1: Yeah, like immediately. Yeah, and I and so that's that's where I think that's illegitimate, and continue to think that. But the other one, <laughs> see, I mean, I get damage. it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I I get it though. It's like I, it, but it's it's such a thin. It's it's only like you said, like this person has X amount of time. The put the baby down. There's like I a get, dinner yeah. and uh, something else happening, and and I'm gonna watch it live. I got, well, and you plan it. But who does you, that anymore? You said, but, you, you said watch yeah. something
0: else. So I mean, this does happen where I, every now and then where I'll are all it'll be late. But I figure, well, like, I got an hour. I got an hour. And then, but, you know, it's pushing it, but I'll watch it for an hour. And then I press play on the show that I've been waiting to watch. And it's like, I'm really excited. And then it's an hour and a half or it's two hours. And I go, oh, no. And you're right. The answer is watch something else. But there is that kind of feeling of like, this is supposed to be a one hour show. You know, what I will do is I'll just watch uh, this That makes some people very angry. But, you know just just watch it until you're tired and then uh, leave the rest for the next day just, uh, just stop it in the middle
1: Wow. Well, yeah. I I think the the origin of this complaint from me is that I think it's an illegitimate critical take on things. Oh, uh, yeah. To say the shows and shows so are getting too critics. long.
0: I, there was another yeah. piece about this, Tim. I thought I found a piece th- in this last week that was complaining about uh, shows being too long, and I thought, oh, this must have been what Tim was talking about. But it was posted after our podcast last week, which means they were reacting to a different post that somebody else had written about oh, I how I mean, shows were hundreds too long. Of these posts. So they I keep it keeps ridiculous. happening. And and yeah. and that's the critical take on it, which is just uh, shows should be shorter because shorter shows are better, I guess. I, I agree with you. I think that's illegitimate because shows can be flabby, but they're flabby because they're flabby, not because of their runtime. You can have a tight, uh, a relatively tight, exciting, not boring two and a half hour long movie. And you can have a 90 minute movie that feels like it should have been 20 minutes shorter.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. So uh, to me, it's like, if it if it's an hour show and it runs an hour and nineteen minutes, which could be annoying if you didn't check in advance, if that nineteen minutes works for me i'm going to be okay with it in fact, if seventeen of the nineteen minutes work i'm still going to be okay with it
0: yeah and and the converse is true too i I really enjoyed. Uh, end of the fxxx world and there was like an episode that was like 17 minutes long or 16 minutes long it's just okay that's how long that is it's fine yeah
1: that i think that show uh, is spectacular for a number of reasons because i think that they got so much done in a very very limited amount of time so it can be it can be done they were tight and bright you could also (laughs) argue that if there was a little bit more time they would have been a little bit more way to develop more characters etc but it's fine
0: uh one last letter this is from Lynn in the 678. Ooh those are nu- Ooh. in numerical order. 678. Uh Metro what, Atlanta. We're... Metro Adla- right. Hot Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. Lynn says, uh this year I think I have a candidate For a timely show that helps you process what's happening now in a roundabout way. This is about your Trump TV thing. Babylon Berlin on Netflix. The most expensive TV series Germany's ever made. One of the creators was involved with Sense8. Yeah, uh, Wachowski's longtime kind of co-director collaborator. I just finished Mm -hmm. it last week. It was fantastic. It takes place in 1929 Berlin in the waiting days of the Weimar Republic. Weimar Republic. Sorry, German. I don't. I want to speak English. I don't pronounce German. While Mm -hmm. at its core, it is a cop show but there is a considerable amount of social commentary and political intrigue. It has characters you care about. Plus, episode two has what I think is the most memorable scene on TV this year. What I like about the series is the way you know what's coming in history, but no one in the show does. Hitler's only mentioned once in the 16 episodes. It's basically two seasons of eight episodes, but I binged the whole thing. Much of the politics involves communists, so you just take everything in, look for clues as to what went wrong in Germany during that time period. I have found that helpful in dealing with the dark historical period we are in now and how it differs. So if you have the time, I highly recommend this show I don't know if it, did either you or Dan review Babylon Berlin no I don't think we I did. think it I was think maybe it a film fe- I think it might have been yeah. a film festival premiere Yeah, that got that got reviewed. I've heard I've heard some good things about it. But most of what I've heard, strangely, is what uh, Lynn mentioned in the letter, which is that they spent a lot of money on it. Like it was the it was the most expensive, I think maybe European TV show ever or certainly and certainly the most expensive German TV show ever. It's on Netflix. People can check it out.
1: I thought about it. And I'm not – I'm. you know, I think that's historical fiction that you're seeing through a lens in modern times. And I'm not against that. I think I'm – I think I expressly said I don't want – I don't want it to be uh, – I don't want it to be about Trump, right? I think Roseanne, Roseanne has the Trump – a Trump element. Not, it's not, you know, an – it's not a political show other than it's a, about a family of people that I d- don't want to know in my <laughs> lifetime. Um, but – um i don't i i also think that you know there's a there's uh in some ways handmaid's tale is historical fiction except for the fact that it's very clearly happening in the 2000s
0: yeah well it's 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 i mean essentially it's sci-fi it's speculative fiction it's set in a in a a potential future and i was going to say as a sci-fi guy um that's exactly what i what what works the best for me i feel like is just enough of a veneer that you can say like this is a metaphor for what's going on
1: now right that's Yes.
0: instead of this is literally what's going on now right. I, and I like that because it, it leaves it open to interpretation it's a little more kind of artful um, it doesn't have to be a one-to-one it, it can often make you question like which side are they on on this or like this is an interesting detail or an interesting shade of gray that I might not consider if, I, if this was framed as a modern idea but since it's a metaphor I can consider both sides of an issue in a way that I might not that's why what, what I like about, about sci-fi Stuff, But I think this is a great example where, you know, they're telling a story about a dark political time that's not ours, but obviously it's being told now and therefore has resonance and Hammond's Tale, again, using this kind of science fiction uh, future, you know, Future history, if you want, but like that—that uh, uh, that lets them tell stories that are not exact, right? They're—they're, they're, right. you know, you can take from it. That—that that to me feels very different than I'm like literally commenting on what's happening right
1: now. Yes, here, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's different. I think it's different. And I would love to. I'm, I'm maybe I'll use that as like one, maybe one of my kickoff shows for discovering these hidden gems. Yeah. Of course, the first letter that anybody will ever get or first tweet that will come my way, I'll be like, "This isn't hidden. I watched this a year ago." Yeah. aren't you supposed to be paid to do that you know what i mean like that's what happened
0: you know it's what that's what the nbc tried to sell people reruns with is if you haven't seen it it's new to you
1: (laughs) it's new to you classic (laughs) classic moment i love it came up with that one (laughs) um
0: all right well i think that's it for now now i have i have some news that i'm gonna say here and people are still not gonna have heard it which is that we're not gonna be back next week it'll be two weeks because i'm traveling next week but um that's okay we'll just store up the stuff that you write and we'll store up the stuff that tim writes and we'll put it all together and and we'll have a a great podcast in a couple of weeks so are
1: you time traveling
0: i am not i'm space traveling
1: Oh, not nice to outer space
0: up. just like in an airplane but uh but we're back in a couple of weeks so you should uh, send in those tweets at tvtm and we read them or you can email us podcast at tvtalkmachine.com and uh that's it until two weeks from now until fortnight has passed tim it's been a pleasure as always have a great weekend
1: you have a fantastic weekend. Thank you. And Pepper and I both say adios to everybody. Goodbye,
0: everybody.